Well, good morning. When he said children's dismiss, I thought that was my cue to leave, but I wasn't sure, you know. Uh, but uh, my name is Alan Schuler, and as uh, your pastor has said, uh, I've lived in Charlotte a long time. In fact, uh, I live over near uh, the Arboretum area, the church I served there for 21 years, uh, Candlewick Baptist Church. Uh, don't go looking for it today, because uh, after I left, they merged with another congregation. I was telling my wife one day they just couldn't get a pastor like me, you know, and so they merged another congregation. It's kind of like the ladies after, you know, you and I got together, they just got disappointed. Anyway, she said, you keep believing that. Um, she apparently did not. But uh, for the last seven years, I, well, seven years ago, I began working with the North Carolina Baptist Foundation. And three months ago, we rebranded You've heard of that for rebranding. And now we're, this is our long name, uh, Provision Financial Resources of North Carolina Baptist Incorporated. So now you know why we just say provision. It makes it a little easier to say that. And really that's a biblical uh, reference uh, from the story. Perhaps you remember where uh, God tells Isaac to, uh, excuse me, tells uh, Abraham to take Isaac out into the wilderness and sacrifice him. And he gets there and God makes provision with a ram uh, in the thicket. And so uh, it was the ram that got sacrificed that day. And so they called that place, uh, or at least Abraham did, God will provide. So provision is uh, the name. That God is our provision in all of our lives. And uh, it's not just about having a several million dollars that we invest, we will work with you and help you make some estate plans and that kind of thing irrespective. But let me tell you something uh, about that whole work situation that I'm in. I'm retiring soon. So starting January 2nd, I've got about a couple of months, two or three months, and uh, so that will mean a whole new avenue uh, for me. So I'm delighted to be with you here today um, as uh, um, Darren said, I, uh, I live over in the Old Providence neighborhood. Anybody know where that is? Old Providence? Well, oh, somebody raised their hand. Thank you for that, you know, I appreciate that. Some more people, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, well I'm delighted to be here. Let me, let me just um, ask you as uh, we begin today, uh, our passage of scripture that we're gonna focus on here at the end of the year uh, is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to that passage, and I'll read it for you in just a moment. Uh, but the message today is talking about seize the opportunity. We all have opportunities in life that God has provided for us, and we're going to see how the Scripture talks about that in just a moment. But before we begin that message, let me uh, ask you to join with me in prayer, okay? Father, thank you for the opportunity of being here with our friends at Grace Covenant. Uh, we thank you for the graciousness of uh, them inviting me to be here um, and to share this good word from your word. And we pray that the, that the uh, words of our mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts might be acceptable to you as worship today. And we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You know, the first month of the year is named January. It's named for the old Roman god, Janus. He had two faces, according to the mythology. He was able to look forward and he was able to look backward at the very same time. Pretty convenient, right? Well, uh, it's appropriate for us on this last day of this year in view of the fact that we ourselves are starting a new year tomorrow that we can reflect on a year gone by and then look ahead to 2024. So I wanna ask you this, what do you see as you look backwards? Are the scenes pleasant? Are they rewarding? Are there scenes that are encouraging to you? Or perhaps you look back and you see some failures there in the year that we're finishing, or maybe even some regrets. Maybe there's some incomplete plans, some incomplete dreams. Perhaps you have lost family members or significant relationships. Well, what about the year ahead? Any dreams? Any expectations? Any plans? Any victories? Any changes? Any challenges? Notice I didn't say anything about resolutions. It's easy to make a resolution. Boy, it's difficult sometimes to carry it out, isn't it? My son uh, told me the other day, he said, uh, Dad, I want you to go on over to Crunch Fitness that you joined here a few weeks ago and go through some of the uh, orientation there because at the first of the year, they're gonna be so busy that you won't have a chance to do that. And so a lot of people do that kind of thing in terms of resolutions. But you know, honestly, there's something that is wonderful and refreshing about the opportunity to walk into a new year. It's as if God is saying himself, here's a chance to begin again. You can let go of all the failures, all the wrongs, all the sins, all the foolishness of the days gone by, and you can reach through faith wonderfully toward the potentialities of what is to come that I'm laying out before you. Perhaps you're aware of the phrase carpe diem, which means seize the day. And we, we should, every one of us, seize the day, but also, what about seizing the opportunity or seizing the moment? Now that rendering breaks the day into smaller components. And it's also our instruction from the scriptures in Ephesians chapter five. If you have your Bibles open, go ahead and refer to them. I'm reading from the New International Version today. And this is what Paul writes. He says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. <coughs> Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. 
These words are written to Christ followers like yourselves, many of you, telling us three important and specific instructions about how we as individuals and even you as a church body are to and can live into this precious new year that God is bestowing upon us. Here's the first one. If you're a note taker, you can write this down. The first one, it says, be very careful how you live. These words, be very careful how you live, are about lifestyle. That is, how you, we conduct ourselves in the places we live. I remember as a kid, when I would leave the house, or a teenager particularly, when I'd leave the house, maybe even as a young adult, my mom would always have this instruction to me. She would say, now behave yourself. <laughs> so somebody else, my, their mom said the same thing, now behave yourself. I don't know why she always said that, and she also said, be careful and behave yourself. Now, I don't know why she always said that, because I was a good kid. I didn't get in trouble. I was texting with a friend who's down at the beach this morning, actually, and this friend said uh, something about the activities of the day, and I said, well, I have bail money available for you if you need it. And, they, and, 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 the, and the person responded and said, well, a good friend always has bail money. And I said, no, a friend has bail money. A good friend is in jail with you. So you sometimes just got to kind of uh, look at the situation and behave yourself. And you knew what she meant when she said that to you, didn't you, brother? You knew, you knew what she meant. She was telling you to try to be good. These words are not just trying to tell you how to be good from Ephesians chapter five. The Bible is urging us to consider carefully how we live in the world about us. Jesus' followers are to always to do that. We're always to be careful how we live in the world about us. And there are two reasons I'll mention to you. One is, you are Jesus' representatives in the world. Jesus died on the cross, delivering you from sin, and he has raised you from the dead through Christ. And now you are no longer have to, to die spiritually, but also he has filled your life with his spirit. And you are now his body in the world, his hands, his feet, his representatives you are. You and I need to make sure we are accurately reflecting Jesus who is in the world, or Jesus as we are in the world, I should say. I like kind of the way that uh, Alan Hirsch, who is a Christian writer and pastor and missiologist, uh, has stated this in his book called The Forgotten Ways, reactivating the missional church, he says, if we're gonna impact our world in the name of Jesus, it will be because people like you and me took action in the power of the Spirit. 
Ever since the mission and ministry of Jesus, God has never stopped calling for a movement of, quote, little Jesuses to follow him into the world and unleash the remarkable redemptive genius that lies in the very message that we carry. So first of all, we are to be careful how we live because we are the Lord's little Jesuses in our community, in our world. But a second reason is because folks, you who are yet to follow Jesus are watching to see what it means to be authentically Christian. Remember the words from the old hymn, let others see Jesus in you. Remember that hymn? Hear the words, it says, your life's a book before their eyes. They're reading it through and through. Say, does it point them to the skies? Do others see Jesus in you? Well, do they? Jesus was just wondering because you, you are the only indicators toward a life with him that some people have. And they are looking for authenticity. Note I, I, I said to be authentic, not to necessarily be perfect in all you do, but a lot of people away from God, they know that perfection is out of the question for them, but they are looking for authenticity, and that's, that's why we're told to be careful in this passage of Scripture. Give them a picture of who Jesus really is. If you mess up, and brother, we're going to mess up every once in a while, aren't we? Even out in the world. We're not going to always get it right. But if you do, make sure that others are pointed to a God to the Lord who continues to love people who mess up. Make sure that they are pointed to the one who will walk alongside them regardless of what it is that they might face because they see that in you. That's who he is. And they want to see that authentic picture in you. That's so much more than just being good. It means being transparent. It means loving, being loving and gracious and sharing words that uplift and build lives up and living out actions of service that bring God's good to the lives of other people. It's no wonder here in this passage we're told to be careful because that involves some thoughtfulness, some planning, and insight on our parts. If we desire to move forward in the journey that God has set out before us, it will be because we seize the opportunity in how we live. So that's the first thing. A second thing is this. The scripture has, here says, be wise with your time. The Bible says we are to be, be wise, making the most of every opportunity. 
which means to be wise by redeeming the time God has given to you. You know what the word redeem means? It really means to buy back. It was a marketplace term that the slave, from the slave market. People who were sold into slavery could be bought back and then released from their lost life of slavery. We who are followers of Jesus have also been bought back by the blood of Christ and we are free to live useful lives, the kind of lives God has always intended for us to have. Thus you and I are, uh, we have been redeemed, our time has been redeemed and we are to make the most of every opportunity because God, because the days around us are evil. You know, using coupons in the, in the store is not as prominent as it used to be. But when my wife and I were expecting our first child back in 1982, she had a sister who was living in Colorado, my wife did. Becky's sister Judy would send notes every once in a while, letters. And one day I went to the mailbox and got uh, a letter from Judy, and that doggone thing was probably about uh, almost an inch thick. The whole envelope, just a regular envelope. And took it in to my wife, it was addressed to her. Becky uh, opened it, and uh, she began fishing through it. Bun you know what was in there? A bunch of coupons for baby stuff. And she looked through there, and you know what was not in there? There was not even a note, not even a letter. I don't know if she forgot or she just stuffed in the coupons and sent them. But I've always thought about that when I think about redeeming something because really that's what you do when you use a coupon, you're buying back your money. Now, one might say, what's, what's the use? After all, as the scripture says here, the days are evil. God might just have well said, um, well, things are really bad down there. So just forget about doing anything about it. Just, just uh, chunk the whole world. It doesn't really matter. It's all going to blazes anyway. But he didn't do that. Why? Because he wants you and me to use our heads, use our hearts together, and join him in his great mission to the world, to bring the world and its folks to him through Jesus Christ. We can all agree there's great evil even in our country today. We see it about us. We don't have to enumerate all of it. You experience it differently from what I experience it sometimes because you have specific evils that have come to your life and your life situation. But God has not given up on the world regardless of how evil the days are. In fact, he has done something about it. His plan is to redeem the world through Christ. And he wants you, he wants me to join him in that. So his invitation is clear. Seize the opportunity that you have 
to do it now as you stand on the threshold of a new year, moving forward together as a congregation, moving as an individual to be and become the person that he wants you to do and joining him in his mission here upon this earth. Whether it's locally in Charlotte, North Carolina, the United States, around the world, he wants you to be a part. Now here's the third thing that we see from this passage of scripture. The Bible tells us uh, to be in sync with God's will. These words about seizing the opportunity is to grow in relationship with the Lord, who the Lord is. And you only do that by nurturing a living relationship with him. There are a number of things that this could mean to us, but let me urge you to start right now where you are today, seizing the opportunities in these ways. To do and understand and live out the will of the Lord, you do that by spending some time with the Lord each day. To be able to confront the evil days, we need to nurture our relationship with God through prayer, through Bible study, and other spiritual habits, spiritual disciplines. In fact, you can't, as the scripture says here, you can't understand what the Lord's will is without spending a little time alone with God. A friend of mine calls that tag time. Time alone to God. I used to think that that tag time was like recharging my spiritual batteries. Have you thought about it like that? So we would go, I would go and have that time apart from the world so I might recharge to be the person he wants me to be. But in the last few years, I've realized this is re there's really a better metaphor than that. Because you and I are not batteries. We neither hold nor we do we contain any power in and of ourselves. We are not the source or the holder of power. We are but the conduits the conduits of God's influence in the world. So the purpose of tag time is to stay attached to the power source so that we become <clears throat> a strong and capable um, conduit of God in the world. Without that time alone with God, we lack the power, we lack the will, we lack the initiative, the message that we will be, that will be effective in seizing every opportunity. In fact, we can easily miss those opportunities. So an easy place to start is by finding and possibly memorizing a, a key per passage. When I was pastor in Candlewick for the last, I suppose, five, six years of, of my 21 years there, God put on my heart, and this was for me personally, and then led me to share this with the congregation, of choosing each year what I call, 
what was called a, a transformation or a transforming verse, or maybe a set of verses. As I've mentioned, I think a while ago, that to someone, I don't know if I mentioned it here in the pulpit or not, but um, I started a two-year journey of reading the Bible through a couple of years ago and finished. It's a good accomplishment. And I'd like to encourage you to try to do that sometime. You haven't done that in your life. I never was very successful, to be honest with you, of doing it in a year. It was just like I was plowing through the information. But a couple of years gave me an opportunity to take a little more time. And, I, and, and, and as I think about that transforming verse, sometimes God leads us to a passage of scripture and he wants us to read it and to study it and to focus on it and to memorize it so that it begins to transform who we are inwardly. So I commend that to you. Find a verse, a set, a, some, something very practical that you can live out in your life and memorize it and read it and through the years saying, God, uh, how am I going to be like what Christ wants me to be? How am I going to be like what the Word here wants me to be at the end of 2024? Back in 2010, I, I did that for the very first time uh, in a specific way. And it was a passage in James chapter 1 where it talks about uh, that we are to, uh, to uh, not talk as much. We're to listen. Anybody who knows me knew that was a big challenge for me. I found in studying and focusing on that uh, passage that year that I spent some time in quietness and personal meditation, took a day of silence one day. That was tough. You know what God said to me in the midst of that? He said, you know the reason you can't hear my voice sometimes? You talk too much. Now, my wife said, you should have told me. I could have told you that. But anyway, the Lord said that to me. So take a transforming verse. I urge you to do that as a way of spending time with God on a continual basis. And I, don't take a big section. Just take a, a verse or a few verses, whatever the Lord puts on your heart. But here's another thing. Take time to tell your faith story. Now, I want you to hear me very carefully in what's being said here because all of my life, I've had Bible studies, I've had sermons, I've had training that have urged people to witness to their faith. The desire was to, was to motivate and, to, and many hearers just, however, felt and heard guilt because they had not won a person to Jesus. Many folks figured that they were just being urged to say something that people didn't want to hear anyway. But please hear this. In 2024, just tell your story. We are a, we are a, 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 a cult, we're in a cultural climate where people want to hear and know an authentic story of being related to Jesus. People in our culture are very spiritually oriented. 
Now, don't, I didn't say Christian-oriented, but they're very spiritually-oriented. But believe me, an authentic, meaningful story that is real to you, people will listen to that. People will listen. Your story could be good news to someone. Isn't that what evangelism is? It comes from a Greek word that means to tell good news. And it can be powerful. So taking time, being intentional, you have to intend to do it or you won't. It can be a great avenue that God can use to help you to redeem the time, to seize the opportunities. Here's, a, here's another thing. Make time to do good alongside Jesus. You know, our culture will listen to your faith story if it's real, but they will listen even more if they see it in your life. So make the most of every opportunity. Make time to do good along with Jesus because listen, Jesus is already out in his world waiting simply for us to join him in doing good. In other words, find some specific ministry, some service in which you can be involved and do it with Jesus who is already out there in your community, in your world doing it. Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. People today are looking for the the great demonstration. I don't know how it's been in Grace Covenant, but in my background, we talk about um, the Great Commission quite a bit. The story, I mean, the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 28, when he says that we are to go make disciples in the world. We talk about the Great Commission, but the world today is looking for the great demonstration to see what it means to follow Jesus. Instead of standing over on our side of the gulf between us and the world and culture and saying, hey, you guys need to get your act together over there. We are to go and join people just like Jesus did. You know, one of the descriptions of, of Jesus in the Bible is that he went around doing good. And we see it in his life. He, he went around helping people to be free. If you don't know already, be listening for specific mission ministries in the community from your church leadership and how you can engage. And then seek, and the, I should say, seize the opportunity to be in sync with the Lord's will regarding that. Now here's a, here's a uh, last thing I wanna, I wanna share with you here. Invest this year to do the Lord's will in key relationships. For some, the whole idea of seizing every opportunity 
in order to be involved in God's great mission in the world would seem so large, so overwhelming. But if, you, if we'll decide just to invest time in some key relationships, perhaps it's your family, perhaps there's a broken relationship, maybe that's a friend or a, or a neighbor who needs your care or the good news of Christ through your faith story. Maybe it's a coworker where where you spend so much of your waking hours at work and God has you there for a purpose, redeeming the time in that context. Doug Spade in his book, His Church at Work said, the workplace is where a majority of a church congregation spends a majority of their time interacting with a majority of the unchurched world. It's a matter of proximity sometimes. It's a matter that's where we are. Someone said the most important word in the English language is relationship. And God thought it so important that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to make sure that we could have a relationship with him. So make key relationships a place to invest your time. In conclusion, I just want to tell you this. I, I once heard a story, once, it was a legend. Once heard an old legend that recounts the time when Jesus, when Jesus ascended back into heaven after he had died on the cross and had risen from the dead. And according to the legend, the angel Gabriel came to him and Gabriel frowned when he saw the marks of Jesus' scars from his tortures on the years on the earth and especially the wounds of the crucifixion. And Gabriel said, Master, you you suffered terribly for those on earth. Yes, I did, was Jesus' reply. And Gabriel continued, do they all know now about your life? and your forgiveness? Have they all heard about your death and your resurrection? No, not yet, said Jesus. Right now, only a a handful of people in Palestine know about my death and about my resurrection. And Gabriel looks perplexed. Then he asked, well, how will everyone find out about your wonderful life, your sacrificial death, and your triumphant resurrection? I have asked Peter and James and John and a handful of friends and and followers to tell others about it. And when other people hear and believe, they in turn would tell others In Gabriel, by and by, the whole earth will hear the message. Still frowning, the angel responds, but hmm, you know how people are on earth. If they, I mean, what if they, what if if Peter and and James and John get tired? What, What if they tell the story and the next generation gets all involved with their own pursuits? And what if way down in the, 21st century, people aren't committed any longer to your commission. Have have you made other plans? 
the Lamb of God looked directly at the angel of God and said, I have no other plans. I'm counting on them. Folks, God has every intention for every one of you to move forward in 2024. And it begins by seizing the opportunities that he has placed in front of you. You and I. But you are part of God's plan. Will you seize the opportunities? Do it right now. Would you pray with me? Lord, the opportunities are, seem like they're vast. Sometimes they seem like they multiply even more as we move along in life. Yet there's nothing that has happened, nothing that is happening, and nothing that is to come in the year to come that is beyond who you are and has escaped your notice, whether it's for us personally, individually, or even as a congregation. We pray that we would hear your word and respond now with faith and trust in your word. That we would seize the opportunities you have placed before us, redeeming the time, even though the days are evil, and that we would be able to show and reflect and know what the Lord's will is. Help us as we move forth to be on mission with you in your world. In Jesus' name.